3: This is the High Stakes Lowdown, a RotoViz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. I'm Eric Balkman from the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour and the FFPC. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric Balkman and the FFPC on Twitter at FFPC. Today I'm speaking with Brian Studebaker, an FFPC Dynasty player that cashed in 80% of his leagues last season, including four titles with three of them at the $1,250 entry fee level and higher. His 2018 Dynasty winnings in the FFPC alone totaled nearly $40,000. In this episode, we discuss his startup draft strategy, what he would suggest Dynasty players do for their squads in February, and hit on a couple of 2019 rookies he's following closely. You can follow Studebaker on Twitter at RMG underscore Dynasty. Before we get into the show, I want to remind everyone that you can get a listener's only 30% discount to a RotoViz NFL pass through the NFL podcast homepage, rotoviz.com/podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of the RotoViz content and tools and it supports the podcast channel. Now without further ado, here's $40,000 2018 FFPC Dynasty Fantasy Football Champion, Brian Studebaker.
1: Joining me on the uh, season premiere, the season four premiere of the Rotoviz High Stakes Lowdown this week is a guy who has had a lot of success uh, in Dynasty, a guy that you can follow on Twitter at RMG underscore Dynasty. It is Brian Studebaker uh, joining me this week. Thanks for doing the show, man. Appreciate it.
4: Hey, Balky, anytime. Hope everything's going great.
1: Everything's good, and uh, I know we were talking a little bit before we, we, we started recording. You are just a few days removed from attending uh, your first Super Bowl ever uh, in Atlanta. I know you are not too far from there. Can you tell us a little bit about what that was? I know the game wasn't what we all wanted it to be, but certainly the experience of being there in person, that had to be tremendous.
4: Yeah, it, it, it was outstanding. I, I live in South Carolina, and so I'm about – three-hour drive from Atlanta and I kept telling myself that if I don't go to this Super Bowl I'm never going to go to one and I've had a lot of folks that I've seen this week they're like man that game you know wasn't great and I'm, I completely disagree I'm like man on the contrary it was it was a good game it wasn't a fantasy football type game but it was a uh, it was a great game one score game in the fourth quarter and had a great time I took my my 10 year old son with me and I was pulling for the pats and he insisted on getting a Todd Gurley jersey and just another one of uh you know another one of his losing jerseys that's hanging in his closet now
1: <laughs> yes you're telling me it was matt ryan and
4: um russell wilson yeah he's he's got those as well and i, I put my arm around him we we're walking to the car and i said hey uh you know here's another loss for you to hang in <laughs> hang in your closet and he said well i didn't wear a uh i didn't wear a eagles jersey last year and i said well next year when the pats make it brayden i was like uh you know, maybe you don't need to wear the the opposing team's jersey right. if you want them to lose. So, yeah, exactly. just a ten-year-old that wants to be a rivalry with his dad, nothing more.
1: Nothing more than that, indeed. Well, okay, so you are coming off a uh, a fantastic year in Dynasty. We're gonna get into that in a second. Can you tell the listeners uh, when you're not um, winning your Dynasty leagues, what you're doing for a living?
4: Yeah, absolutely. So I'm I'm a VP of Sales for a company that uh makes different training equipment for the U.S. military. So we take containers and turn them into uh containerized gyms, we do shoot houses, um, urban training complexes, you name it. So specialized training for the military.
1: Wow, exciting stuff. I'm sure that that is a, a compelling um, job that you can go and, and do something a little bit different every day for sure. Um, and, you know, getting into to, to the Dynasty aspect specifically, because we are, you know, the Super Bowl is behind us, FFPC playoff challenge behind us, a lot, you know, a lot of best balls are being drafted. But I think a lot of people are getting involved in uh, Dynasty and sort of squaring their teams away, looking at what uh, what type of season they're going to be in for. Is it a rebuilding one? Is it a reloading one? Is it one to go all in on? And you um, definitely uh, came out on top in, in a lot of your leagues last year. I counted four FFPC Dynasty titles for you last season alone. You had four other caches, and those four titles – I mean, you're going up against the best of the best. I mean, two of those were at the 1250 level, another one was at the 2500 level. I'm just kind of curious. Was there one overarching theme that you had on those teams? I mean, did you have a lot of the same players? Um, did you did you employ certain strategies uh, in building these teams that got you all through you know three uh, titles at, at some of the highest levels the FFPC has? as far as dynasty goes, what was the story last year? Why was it so successful for you?
4: Yeah. So the main thing that really stands out on all, all of the rosters um, was the running back depth. So I had just really tremendous running back depth, you know, something like the FFPC format where it's a little bit shorter rosters than some of the other dynasty formats that are out there. I really try and maximize the the bench spaces um, with backup or just, you know, one step away type running backs. And, I just think it's a pretty big advantage when you go into the to the playoffs and you've got three or four slots that you can you know you got four slots that you can play a starting running back in and get somebody that's going to get 15, 20 you know touches per week and uh, you know then when you kind of look at my profile of type of guys that I like to go after I mean it's not really rocket science here but I I really try and go after backs that can catch the ball if they, if they don't if they can't catch the ball or if they don't catch the ball they're not involved in the in the passing game I, I normally don't. Have anything to do with them. Um, so, I mean, of course, I had some studs that were kind of spread out on a lot of the teams. Um, you know, Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley. Um, but my running back depth is what really stood out. And then, and then I've got my good core wide receivers that I know I can plug in every single week. And you know, t- you know, round one, round two, startup type guys that I can put in there. But without the running backs. You know, I I feel that people are a little bit behind the eight ball. And that kind of goes against some of the traditional Dynasty strategy where everybody says load up on wide receivers or even tight ends in this format.
1: Yeah, I I, know you make a good point there. And obviously a lot of people will be jumping into Dynasty for the first time this season. And obviously the first part of that is the startup draft. I'm (laughs) curious as to... Your strategy that, because I know the way that you built some of these teams, you took an interesting strategy on uh, in the startup draft and building them. Can you tell us a little bit about what went well there for you?
4: Yeah, so kind of going back to what you said, so I was 10 FFPC Dynasty Leagues this year. All, you know, eight of them were year two or later in the mm-hmm. leagues. All eight were caches, you know, obviously the four championships. But the two teams that didn't, you know, even make the playoffs this year, so certainly didn't cash were the startup, you know, teams. And that's, you know, to me, that's where a lot of folks struggle. They can't go into the, you know, year one saying, hey, I'm not going to, uh, you know, I'm not going to be able to compete or contend for the championship. And so as a result, you know, they, folks go all in and they start to draft a lot of older players, more, you know, kind of expiring vets. And that that's just really not my style. And there's multiple examples of year one where I'm able to compete and contend. I mean, one of those two startup teams, I missed the playoffs by a single victory point. Um, so I'm, I'm not saying that you got to go all in on, you know, young guys or a bunch of picks, but to me, you need to, you know, look past just year one. If, if, if you're not going to play for years two, three, four, and five, um, then I, then I don't know why you're playing year one. I think a lot of people go too all in on that first year. So when I'm approaching a startup draft right out the rip, i I've got a few, you know, not too firm of rules but I got some things that I try and go by I'm not gonna be one of these guys that's gonna pay a lot to move up into round one to get multiple you know multiple studs in round one of the startup so I want to be able to kind of move back acquire picks namely I want future round one rookie picks I'm glad to kind of expand on that a little bit more um, so I, when I come out of a startup I want you know three four five future round one rookie picks and then when I get to those middle rounds like round seven eight nine ten. That's when I'm, I'm completely content with taking guys like last year. I went after the Mark Ingram's, the you know Larry Fitzgeralds, Julian Edelman's. You can still get those guys, but you've already got four or five other pieces that are younger that are going to be around for a while, and hopefully you've accumulated multiple rookie picks. So, long way of saying like I try and uh, I don't push my chips to the middle of the table early. Try and acquire as many rookie picks as I possibly can. And then in the middle of the late rounds, take the guys that are going to help you compete and contend this year, um, because you never know if you hit on one or two young guys, you know, you find yourself right in the middle of a playoff hunt with a bright future ahead with all the picks.
1: I, uh, I, I first of all, great advice there, and I and I, I happen to agree with a lot of uh, of what you said. It makes a lot of sense. Um, it seems obvious, but a lot of people don't employ it. But I like the idea when you have those startups. Dynasty drafts of, of getting those future first man that that can be so valuable down the road for sure whether you use the picks yourself or whether you trade them uh, for for assets that that can help you right away depending upon what what shape your team is in uh, they'll be able to help you either way I'm kind of curious you know speaking of trading how active are you usually in trade I mean obviously with the success you have um, I, I got to imagine that some owners would maybe be a little bit gun-shy trading with you because you you, you know you, you know <laughs> how to win, uh, which is yeah. clear. Do a lot of your dynasty, the assets on your dynasty teams, do you think a lot of them have come from the rookie free agent drafts, from the startup drafts, or, or swaps with other teams? Typically, you know, the, the successful teams that you've had, how, what what's the balance there? I mean, how how have you acquired those difference makers uh, over the years?
4: Yeah, 100%. So with the exception of the 2017 2017- you know draft which was obviously loaded with all of the running backs you know between you know the Christian McCaffrey Alvin Kamara that class Um, I, I had a bunch of picks in that year because it was really my third full year playing dynasty so I had a ton of picks in that draft and I loved the class so I had a ton but to more kind of directly answer your question I mean the majority of my players actually come through trade so I'm, I'm extremely active you know I kind of I tell folks I'm gonna be the most active guy in the league. I'm constantly sending out offers. I'll pick, you know, obviously with managing so many leagues, you know, I'll pick a league or two in the offseason per week and I'll just kind of go through the roster and look to maximize those spots and look to do trades. So I'm I'm extremely active from a trade standpoint. Um, but the majority of my players they're coming they they are coming via trade. They're not really coming via the rookie draft, which, you know, like I said, with the exception of a couple years ago. Because I, th- I think going back to the startup, the overall startup strategy, there's a lot of value in those picks. And if you use them correctly, you, you can really put yourself in a good position to get many assets that can help you for, you know, for multiple years.
1: Speaking specifically, and, and we're just coming off the Super Bowl and, and a lot of people are talking about maybe we saw Rob Gronkowski's last game as a pro and he said he expects to make a decision on his retirement uh, within the next week or two. Your thoughts on A, uh, is he done and B, how do you treat him in dynasty right now? Whether, uh, you know, would you be trying to acquire him on the cheap? What would you pay to get him? Is he a must stay away? Is he a must sell? What are your thoughts on on Rob Gronkowski over the next couple of weeks as far as, uh, treating him in dynasty before he makes this decision?
4: Yeah, I've, I've got, I've got a few, uh, a few Rob Gronkowski, uh, kind of spots on my rosters amongst all my teams. um, the market for him is as cold as it can be. I mean, even in season headed up to the trade deadline, it seems like a lot of folks have pretty much, you know, already convinced themselves that he's out. And I to be frank, I, re- I really can't disagree with it. I, th- I think that that Gronk's gonna announce the retirement here in the next week or two. I mean, they really put bubble, you know, bubble wrap around him and kind of helped pr- protect him to get him through. And I think the best thing that happened to Gronk this year was the fact that they scaled him back as the season was winding down, you know, multiple games with only one or two catches. Then the Patriots got the bye headed into the playoffs. Um, you know, whenever the uh, when the Eagles beat the Texans late and helped get the uh, the Patriots a bye, and then they got another bye before the Super Bowl. So I think it really kind of helped preserving. But he's just not the same guy. I mean, I'm not going out on a limb to say that, but I'm pretty convinced that Gronk is uh, Gronk is going to probably be going to be done. But you know, I'm going to have two or th- two or three Rob Gronkowski kind of shares for lack of better terms on my teams. Um, but from an you know an acquisition standpoint, I'm completely fine with you know if you can get him for a round three pick or a round four pick, you know right now as folks are you know starting to get in that cut down mode, I think that that's completely fine. It's worth it's, it's worth taking the speculative gamble on that.
1: To that end, I mean if if you if you think Gronk is done, do Sony Michelle or James White or anybody like that on, on um on uh, the Patriots? Do, do they strike you as buys right now? Because their value is going to to go up if, if Gronk is in fact done and and you know we don't know what Josh Gordon what what's going on with him. It's going to be Edelman and then you know Michelle and White and then that, that those are the playmakers for New England. Um, would Michelle and White strike you as being buys right now if if Gronk hangs it up?
4: Yeah, so I, I think James White is still a big time buy. I mean he, you know the fact that he had a relatively quiet postseason, namely a Super Bowl. You know, dynasty owners are very reactionary. They'll look at it and say, oh, we only got, you know, three touches in the Super Bowl. Um, I think James White is still a real good buy. I I think I put a – I think I tweeted a while back that I kind of went against my normal strategy, and I I actually paid a a late round one rookie pick for James White. Um, And I was like, you know, I think I I like this, Um, even though it goes against how I typically acquire players. I'm not normally looking to pay a round one rookie pick for a late – you know, for a late 20s running back, but – James White is the type of guy that I like to have on, on my team. Um, you know, what's going to be real interesting is I think that the player that you're going to want to acquire on the Patriots is not on the roster yet, whether that's a rookie, whether that's someone that they go out and get in free agency, um, they, they're going to have to make some moves. I mean, the offense that you saw in the Super Bowl, <clears throat> you know, I, I don't, it's not going to be sustainable. They've got to get some playmakers, you know, in new England on the offensive side. And they've, frankly, they've got the draft picks and the, uh, you know, and the cap space to be able to go out and make some moves this offseason.
1: For <coughs> Dynasty owners, because we're kind of sort of in the, the quote-unquote dead season right now. I mean, there's there's not going to be a lot that happens until free agency opens. Um, we're we're going to be heavy heavily delving into the uh, rookie draft class within the next month or so. But um, for Dynasty owners that, that are trying to remain active right now, that are trying to improve their roster – what do you think? What would you recommend that they be doing? Are, should they be looking at filling specific known holes on their roster that maybe prevented them from, you know, winning a title last year? Or are they should they just be trying to acquire more talent regardless of of the position uh, to and and, and, and uh, rookie draft picks regardless of if they need them or not? Uh, what what's the best advice you can give uh, dynasty owners what they should be doing right now in in February?
4: Yeah g- great question I mean I, th- I think one of the things right off the rip is I- I'm trying to get out of veteran running backs you know so some of those later 20 you know 28 29 30 year old running backs you know that were productive this year you know I, I am looking to get out for round two round three type picks um, you know obviously there's been a massive influx of talent at the running back position the last couple of years in the NFL and then the 2020 class everyone knows that's you know, that that's the one that's supposedly going to have another big influx of, you know, running back talent. So I'm trying to get out of those. When you go into a rookie, you know, when you go into an NFL draft and you're holding some of these, you know, older running backs on your team, they can very easily be replaced. Um, so I'm trying to get out of older, you know, running backs. I'm also trying to acquire some guys that you may have looked at last year as a, you know, a round one rookie pick that maybe didn't perform. Um, you know, I think back a few years ago. I say a few years ago. I guess it's been five or six years ago now. You know, when Brandon Cooks came in, he had a relatively quiet rookie season in New Orleans, and then a lot of people soured on him. He is still to this day my number one owned dynasty guy because I went out after his rookie year and I, I got a lot of Brandon Cooks. Um, you know, someone that's really far under the radar. You know, someone like Rashad. You know, Rashad Penny. Um, you know, obviously Chris Carson looked, you know, looked real good last year, but he's just the type of guy that his roster cuts are coming in this, you know, shallow format. You could probably go get for like a round three pick. They, we don't need to forget they invested a round one pick in him. He's going to get his opportunity. So I'm trying to cut older vet running backs. I'm trying to go find guys with some decent pedigree that maybe underperformed, but are going to get their chance at some point. So I'm trying to get those. And then as it pertains to picks, I want to trade back, like. You know, you can if you're sitting on a one oh five right now, kind of one of my moves that I've made many, many times in dynasty leagues, I can turn a one oh five into a you know one point eleven and a future first. And those are the types of deals that, man, they just have a way of just kind of continually building on themselves. And it just gives you a lot of flexibility from a roster management and then, you know, talents, you know, talent acquisition standpoint in future seasons.
1: Yeah, no, that's I, I I love that when you can. I mean, that's that's like a total Patriots move, right? Like a, a real NFL <laughs> draft Patriots move is where you trade back and you still stay in the first round. You get you know maybe a a lesser pedigreed player, but yeah. still having that first round pick in the future. Well, I mean, you you get two chances at at hitting a home run there, and no uh, doubt. And, and I always like doing that too. I mean, you're, it's not well, like and
4: then this class. And I'm sorry, but yeah, no, I mean, this ahead. class, namely, there is a lot of you know question marks as to. You know, let alone who's going to be the 101, but I think you're going to see a lot of folks that could ultimately be taken in the 104, 105 range. And then in another league that you're in is going to go in the 110 to 112 range. So I think that it's going to be relatively flat this year. I know a lot of folks are, you know, kind of quote unquote down on this class. I don't, I'm not necessarily down on it. I haven't dug in too much. I mean, there's always going to be some talent to be had, but. I guess my point there there's value trade you know trade back pick up that extra first round pick because that that can turn into the 101 next year
1: no question for sure and uh and, and there's it's not like the nba where these are protected picks you know it's just it's you give you might get you stump, might stumble into the 101 i play in a dynasty league where um a guy um had a pretty good team he got hit really hard with injuries ended up missing the playoffs but because of the way that that it was structured um, he ended up getting the first overall pick and turned that into Saquon Barkley. And now he looks awesome. I think he's won the league two ty- two years in a row uh, because of, you know, stuff like that happening. So it's just, yeah, well, not two years in a row, two out of the last three years, I think he's, he's done it. So you never know nice. what will happen. Um, I, there's a list of players and it's growing. I mean, and it's going to continue to grow as we get closer to, um, you know, free agency and the NFL draft as, as teams look to shape their roster for 2019. Just a few of them here. Uh, players that could change teams, that will be changing teams, that might be changing teams. Le'Veon Bell, maybe Antonio Brown, Cole Beasley, Adam Humphreys, two guys who, well, Beasley didn't have the greatest of seasons, but Adam Humphreys was, was really, really good this past year. How do you handle players like that and uh, not necessarily just those four guys but players where there's a high probability of their dynasty stock changing because of, of the change in uniform or maybe a coach or or an offensive uh, system change how do you how do you handle players like that as far as dealing them away or acquiring them
4: yeah so I'm, I'm looking to get those guys I mean you look back to this time last year and it's like the season was winding down and like very shortly after the Super Bowl you could still get guys like Trey Burton, Cherrick McKinnon, for, for pennies on the dollar. I mean, I was getting you know Burton for a round three pick, and folks were gladly hitting accept on that. And then uh, you know Jarrett McKinnon, I was paying round two picks. Um, so I'm trying to identify who are some of the guys that are kind of key free agents that they could sign. I may have zero interest in having them on my roster. And this year, you know, a name of someone that really, really underperformed that I think has lost some of the buzz going into free agency, but they could go to a really good spot. It's like a guy like Tevin Coleman he is a prime target for this year. I mean, you can go get him now for definitely for a round two pick. And if you get creative, you might be able to get him for, you know, a cut line player and a late two. And then the next thing you know, he's signs and a good, um, and it's the Jarek McKinnon effect from last year. And then and you can then flip him for the one hundred seven, one hundred eight. Um, so I'm trying to go out and identify those guys. I don't think that there's as many free agents this year. There's been in years past that are going to see that the, the mega spike um, but, but I'm trying to go get them. I'm, I'm not trying to go get guys like, uh, you know, Beasley and Humphreys. Humphrey was uber productive. It'll be interesting to see where he, where he goes. Um, but I'm not, you know, I'm ca- kind of trying to stay away from some of the, you know, the Jags, the just the guys and really target the guys that got some pedigree, but the, again, running backs So running back signed somewhere. Folks get, folks get finicky there. You got half the league with a bunch of running backs and then you got the other half that only have one or, you know, maybe one really good running back folks will overpay, for that running back that may have a limited self-life.
2: This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Decoy Decoy by Duckhorn, elevate your occasion.
1: I think I know how you're going to answer this next question, so I'm going to reframe it sort of. If you are dealing, let's say, a proven player for a high first round pick, or really any first round pick um, right now, or if you are dealing, let's say, multiple rookie picks or multiple assets for a top or mid first round rookie draft pick. You think you're overpaying at this point of the year? It always seems to me that you can acquire these rookie picks at at much cheaper prices, you know, later in the summer after the rookie drafts and and, and during the NFL season. Uh, do you agree with that and, and how do you handle, you know, when you what's what's the premium time for Brian Studebaker to be, you know, dealing for rookie picks?
4: Yeah, no, you 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 definitely know which way I'm answering. I'm not paying for rookie picks right now. I mean, I'll I'll pay for players. Um, I will always pay for players. I'm not paying for rookie picks right now. The best time is in season um, when the rookie dress far away when folks are contending. Even when I've got a no kidding contending team, I am looking near the trade deadline to see who I can flip for, you know, round two picks. You know, the guys that kind of meet that profile of the older running backs um, and things like that that I can get out of or. You know that I can trade for round one rookie picks. Um, I, I am looking to do that in season, and even during even during the rookie draft itself, I'm working for the future year to try and acquire them. This is this is the worst time, um, only second to when you're actually on the clock. So when that draft really gets going, and you know after after the NFL Combine and then leading up to the NFL draft and then the actual rookie drafts, it's just a terrible time to to acquire rookie picks.
1: I have uh, done. Not 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 very much research into you know as far as like knowing the rookie class at this point in the season uh, Brian it's just basically what I saw with my own eyes on on the college football field last year I did not I have not done a ton of you know research on on content sites and and um you know going through twitter feeds and and you know see watching any film not that i do a ton of that anyway but you know i i as far as knowing the the rookie class i'm not all the way there yet i I, you know i know kind of the guys who are going to be projected um uh, on day one maybe a little bit of day two um but there's only a handful of guys i can talk about one of the guys i can i'm
4: I'm very i'm very much the same way i'm sorry sorry i'm very much the same way you've got a lot of folks um, I've got a couple buddies of mine just that I've, you know, met through this dynasty kind of, you know, the dynasty circles and playing in leagues and they'll, they'll shoot me texts and Hey, you know, what do you think about this class? And I mean, I had some folks asking me that literally like during like the season last year, and I'm just not that guy. I don't pay attention, you know, when kids are in high school and you know, how many, how many four and five star recruits does this school have? That's just not me. There's a lot of folks that that's who they are. They're film grinders. I just don't have the time for it. Um, you know, I, I really start to ramp up here here in the spring. I start to really ramp up really really watch um, and then pay a lot of attention to what's going on in the, in the NFL draft and you know the NFL guys generally know what the, you know they, they generally know what they're doing. so if someone thinks highly of a guy then I try and you know relate it back to what type of offense are they what type of coaching staff, what type of scheme are they running and then does player X kind of fit in that in that profile?
1: Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. I, you know, it's, it's a time crunch for all of us, especially when we're playing in multiple leagues. And it's just sometimes it's easier to to find. I, here's the thing. I'll find people that I will, you know. Obviously, you seek out smart people, but I will. If I'm if I'm trying to figure out what to think about a player, or if I'm I'm trying to figure out which way I want to lean on how I'm going to value him in um, in the rookie drafts. I will go back to a few of like my favorite guys, uh, favorite analysts, to see what they say. But I'll also go back to guys that, not that I don't respect, but that I've disagreed with a lot on players in the past, just to see what yep. they say, to try to, because I, I, think you, you know, you don't want to fall into the confirmation bias too much. Hundred percent. And, and uh, that's why I always think like opposing views and, and trying to go with an open mind and, and looking at both sides of, of you know, the good and bad of a player. And, and once you do that, I think it's kind of easier to, to. You know, learn how you yourself value that certain
4: player. Uh, A hundred percent. I couldn't agree more. I'm just not, you know, some of these analysts, they think that the next, you know, that everybody's the next Odell Beckham. It's just (laughs) like, that's not the, that's not the reality of it here. So
1: Uh, let's, let's talk about a guy that um, I don't know if he could be the next Odell Beckham. He probably not because it's a, it's a lofty title to live up uh, to, but certainly a guy who played uh, very, very well. Uh, a guy that you saw uh, up, uh, up close. I mean, uh, a guy that uh, was in your own backyard and, and uh, is probably going to stand a very good chance of being picked in the first round in the NFL draft. And that's the wide receiver from South Carolina, Debo Samuel. Can you give me your thoughts on how good of a pro he'll be and um and, and if there is a current receiver in the NFL that he reminds you of or that you equate his skill set to, who that would be as well?
4: Yeah, De- Debo's interesting. Debo's an you know, he's an outstanding wide receiver. I mean, smaller guy, a little bit less than 6 feet, so like 5'11, but he's thick. So he's got a he's not, you know, one of these real he's not a, he's not a burner. first of all, um, he's not like a Tavon Alston type that's, you know, their games predicated on getting the ball 100% in space. And then, you know, being able to go down the field. But Debo's the type of guy, he's going to win in the first 10 yards. Um, he's going to win right there at the line of scrimmage. And he has a knack for just getting the ball. He has a knack for being able to win contested catches. Um, and he's, he, he's the he's the prototypical Swiss Army knife. He's going to stick in the NFL because he can, you know, he, he could do a little backfield work. Um, he's going to be able to play in the slot. I, it actually surprises me. A lot of folks believe that he can actually play on the outside. Um I don't necessarily see him as much as an outside, like a prototypical X-type receiver. But Debo's going to do great in the slot. Um, he's going to be able to win if he goes to the right spot. Um, he's going to be dangerous. He's a special teams guy. Um, he can do stuff in the backfield. He's going to You know, again, he's going to win very close to the line of scrimmage. Um, it, you know, some folks may kind of struggle with you know with comp on this because there's not a you know there's not a lot of f- film on the guy. Um, but he's very similar to last year, like a DJ Moore type. Um, you know, obviously Debo's Debo's kind of buzz is starting to build around him by the way, you know, kind of did at the senior bowl that week, um, leading up to the senior bowl and all the practices. Um, but he's very similar to like a DJ Moore, And I think like, even like a guy like, you know, DJ Moore, he was in a better situation. Um, I think he would be the one that's kind of getting fed all the balls that Christian McCaffrey is. So I'm going to really be watching where Debo goes. Um, if he goes up to somewhere where there's a scheme that they don't really know how to use him, um, then then I'll be staying far away. But if Debo goes to the right place, he he could be a guy that's you know getting two or three carries a week out of the backfield, returning kicks, returning punts, and then getting you know four, five, six receptions a week. he He's got a very good upside. I don't see him really being a, a wide receiver one, you know, from dynasty standpoint, but I can see him being a you know a very solid you know wide receiver two type. <clears throat> and that excuse me there's and there's obviously a lot of upside to do with that so um if you're looking for like a player comp for someone that's a little bit you know that has been in the league that may resonate with some more folks even like a robert woods type i'm not a big robert woods fan but there's i've I seen being a very similar type guy where he can go somewhere he's going to win on his own but he's not you know he's not going to be like you said he's not going to be an odell beckham type but if debo goes to the right spot you know watch out i mean i If you could imagine him going to, you know, a a Pittsburgh or a Green Bay or somewhere like that. I mean, of course, that's what everyone's going to say is these great prolific offenses. But if he goes somewhere where they know how to get the ball in the hands of the wide receiver, he's going to win.
1: You know, I wonder. Let me ask you this. uh, and This is going to chip topics a little bit, but. I'm assuming. Well, I don't want to say I'm assuming that Antonio Brown is is going to leave. I, I still. I mean, if if you say I got to pick one way or the other, I I still think he's on the Steelers next season. However, my faith in that is 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 go is it lowers every day. It seems like. Um, nope. the Steelers have had one of the best, if not the best, passing offense in the NFL this past year. With, um, you know, maybe outside of Kansas City, if Brown is gone, I mean. Would you would you be looking at acquiring James Washington on the cheap right now? Because obviously if Pittsburgh takes a receiver on day one or day two, that, that sort of dents Washington's value. But if Brown's gone, I mean, I, I'm going to be curious to see who he's going to be flipped for, who James Washington is going to be flipped for in FFPC dynasties because his value has got to go way up if Brown is gone.
4: Yeah, I've already I've already started sending out some offers for James Washington and the folks that got him on their roster, they they seem to be a little bit more of your astute owners. Um, I definitely think his value is going to spike. And for the record, you know my 10 FFPC teams, I don't have James Washington anywhere. Um, I just wasn't willing to pay the price that he was going for last year in rookie drafts, and as a result, I just I just didn't get him anywhere. But he would be the type of guy if I've got on my roster that, that you know, whenever Brown does leave, if in fact he does, I'm probably going to try and cash out. I'm probably going to cash out um, and kind of see, you know, see where we go from there. Because I think J- Juju's getting ready. He's already getting a bunch of targets. He's going to get that that many more. But the whole the whole Antonio Brown situation is definitely definitely an interesting one. And that's 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 putting it lightly. But um, I think I'm on the other side. I, I, I'm not sure he will be back. I think that the Steelers is. There's, there's way more going on behind the scenes than any of us know. That's for sure.
1: Yeah, no question. I totally agree with you on that. Um, we've already talked about it. it's very early. I mean, we this is early February. You and I have not delved, <clears throat> excuse me, deep into the uh, rookie class this year. But of the guys that you are aware of, in, in addition to Debo Samuel, is there another, you know, running back? Is there another wide receiver? Is there another tight end? that that you've been keeping an eye on throughout the college football season or, you know, as you're getting ready for rookie drafts here coming up in the next few months. Is there anybody else that you're kind of excited about to to see more of him at the NFL Combine or what's being reported about him, uh, you know, coming up in the pre-draft process? Any names that you can give us that that are intriguing to you?
4: Yeah, there's there's a couple. So if you go to, like, the one that I've been watching kind of through the season – is is actually a tight end. It's, it's Noah Noah Fant, Noah Font, however you'd like to say it from from Iowa. Um, obviously, he was in an environment where you know you had another elite tight end there in, in Hawkinson, but but Font Font's a beast. I mean, he's six foot five, two hundred and forty pounds. I mean, broke out at a really early age. Um, he he's an interesting one. A lot of folks have him for that late round one, early round two range. You know, kind of going back to my point about the New England Patriots. Um, you know, and I know this is you know, really kind of one of those too easy to say type examples, but I could definitely see them making a move to try and move up a few spots, you know, in the NFL draft and go grab a guy like Font. I mean, he, he's big. I typically stay away from tight ends in in year one, I, I'm typically not looking to acquire um, tight ends because they take, you know, a couple of years to really kind of, kind of get going. I, I think this guy could be the different one. Uh, I think he could be different. I think he could step in from year one and really get it going And then from a running back standpoint, um, being completely honest here, the guy at Alabama that's got all the buzz here lately, uh, Josh Jacobs, I I really didn't follow him much, but I find it pretty intriguing what's going on around Josh Jacobs. I mean, here you are, a guy with less than 300 touches in college that you're seeing some drafts where they got him going, you know on the first half of round one. Yeah. And, uh, what, what's interesting with me is it goes back to the point that I said earlier. If, if a running back doesn't catch the ball, I don't want him on my roster. Well, that's what this guy does. He's an elite athlete. He can catch the ball. And, um, you know, the the scouts know what they're looking at and that, that one's interesting. He's the one that I'm really going to be closely watching. Um, because I do have, you know, those two teams that I told you didn't make the playoffs this year. You know, one of them, I've got, you know, five of the first seven, um, picks in the draft you know in a, in a 1250 league and then i got a 2500 where i think i got four of the top six um guy like josh jacobs i'm gonna be watching really close because he fits the type of profile the type of guy that i like you know he, he's he's not a leonard fournette or derrick henry the ones that aren't really catching the ball and are just very reliant on volume so noah, noah font and josh jacobs you know i've been watching font for a while and jacobs is jacobs is interesting i I, I wish I'd been watching the last couple of years um, but the buzz that's surrounded by him is interesting. um it's kind of kind of similar to the Alvin Kamara you know kind of what happened with him except folks are now kind of identified Jacobs you know prior to the draft and he's not going to be a round three guy like Kamara was.
1: what about um <clears throat> I, I don't know what your thoughts are on on uh, another couple of running backs here David Montgomery from uh, uh, Iowa State Travion Williams from Texas A and Montgomery is a guy who had 71 catches in his career at Iowa State. Only 22 last year, but he did have 36 in 2017. And then you have a guy uh, in Travion Williams who who put up some some really good numbers um, with, uh, with Texas A&M. But he's had 66 catches, 27 of them last year. So certainly he's on, he's on the come up there. 1,700 rushing yards last year, including 18 <clears throat> touchdowns. He's an exciting guy. 5'9", 200, so he's not the biggest guy in the world. But I look at these guys – and they might be um, players that could immediately step in to um, an NFL team and not necessarily be the 1A guy. Uh, maybe Montgomery could. I don't know about Williams. But a guy who could be a difference maker right for fantasy right away in, in year one as a pass catcher.
4: hundred uh, percent. You know, there's going to the folks that are, you know, quote-unquote down on this class. I mean, between Williams and Montgomery and Josh Jacobs, you these guys are going to go to spots where I think that they're going to be given the opportunities right from the get go. And they fit that profile, the type of guy that I'm going to go with, you know, I'm not saying that they're Christian McCaffrey's or that they are, you know, Saquon Barkley's or any of those type of guys, but if they go to a situation where they're going to get the, you know, the passing work, their first half of the, of of round one, I mean, Hey, I, you know, I had a conversation with you and Dave kind of last summer, you know, in regards to, you know, the old one Oh one from that loaded 2017 class, you know, Corey Davis, you know, I'm almost at a point where you know what <clears throat> we are very due for a big wide receiver class, and this this class could be could be yeah. you know good, but I'm having a hard time really kind of evaluating them because I see a lot of the you know the Corey Davis, uh, Laquan Treadwell type bigger bodied you know NFL receivers, but I'm not going there. If I've got multiple round one rookie picks, I'm going after the the Montgomerys, the you know the Williamses, the Josh Jacobs. I'm, I'm going for the running backs because I. If I can get if the ball is going to be in their hand 15, 20 times a game, and it's going to you know four of them are going to be receptions, well I can I can trade that for you know a branding Cooks or a, a more proven wide receiver two type guy. So that's kind of my strategy when it comes to it. Well, I want yeah. running backs. I want running backs in these rookie drafts. I, I'm tired of waiting on these wide receivers. <laughs> right, exactly.
1: And and, and that goes with your whole uh, you know I'm I'm not a huge fan of of tight ends in year one either.
4: Yeah, it's, it's just one of those things. Like you, you need to be as safe as, as you can be, but, hey, pick your guys, put your flag on them, and kind of see where they go. But pay attention to where they go. Like, I mean, pay attention to the teams that they go to in the rookie drafts, and then, you know, all things being equal, I'm, I'm probably going to take, you know, and that, especially in the first half of the rookie draft. I'm, I'm, going, I'm going with running backs. I'm going with the guys that are going to get, you know, they're going to have the opportunity to touch the ball year one.
1: If there's one player that you're looking at selling on uh, right now in Dynasty, and obviously not you know selling just to get rid of him, but a, a player that maybe you're looking to cash in on because he had such a massive 2018, and and he's due for uh, a, you know regression. Uh, You want to sell in on your assets uh, on that guy right now. Who is that? And then conversely, a proven player, maybe who had a a bad 2018 that that should bounce back, a guy that you'd be looking at acquiring on your teams, buying them uh, on the low right now, buying them on the cheap. Uh, Who are those players that you would look at right now, Brian?
4: Yeah, for sure. So the ones, you know, by the way, from a a selling standpoint, I've got got one big one. He's my second, you know, most owned dynasty player. And he's coming off 350 plus yards, multiple touchdowns in the playoffs. That's Sony Michelle. I want, you know, way out of Sony Michelle right now. And, I, you know, I, I, I say that reluctantly, you know, because obviously, folks here in this podcast, I've got him in a ton of leagues. But he is not getting that passing game work. He's, the, he's that type of receiver that's very reliant on volume. Um, if it's not Rex Burkhead, um, if it's not like Garrett Blunt, you know, of years past. Belichick's going to go find someone. Then you mix in the uncertainty, you know, around having some of those outside receivers and tight ends and everything going on in New England. I, you know, I am fine generally with having Michelle on my teams, where I've got where he is my running back four. But the reality of the situation is he's not a running back four on most teams. He's a he's an RB one or two, and I think that the I think that that's just too much on a guy that is not catching the ball, that can get in a timeshare situation. I really believe. That based on what happened in the playoffs, you know, there's a there's a lot of folks that are out there that are very high um, still on Sony Michelle, and it's you know, I like him, I like the player, but the situation is, to me, it's just it, there's there's a lot of red flags there. So if I can get, if I can trade Sony for you know, let's say a mid first this year, and it's a team that I project is not going to make the playoffs next year, and I can also grab a 2021 first. I will gladly cash out. So please, anybody listening, like if you got a <laughs> mid round, you got a mid round first and you got a 2020 first, send it my way, and I'm gonna highly consider it because I just think that now's the time to kind of look to get out on Sony Michelle. Um, kind of somebody that I'm looking to buy. Um, I've got a, I've got a couple here that I'd like to say. You know, first of all, this guy's a head case, but at, at one point for the longest time he was the dynasty 101. We know that he's a head case, but he's had back to back years with injuries. Odell Beckham can be had for the right price. And I'm seeing it in leagues, you know, just because, you know, everybody's hearing running back, running back, running back for me. That's not how I build my teams. If you go in and look, you're going to see a lot of Devontae Adams, a lot of Brandon Cooks. You're going to see a lot of Mike Evans. I bought, you know, studs that have had a dip in their value, and then you scoop in and buy them. I think that Odell's that type of guy. He can be had, and it's not for the old, you know, five or six rookie first. You know, type value that he used to get. So, I'm looking to get Odell, kind of at wide receiver. Um, I think Dalvin Cook. He's an interesting one. There's not a lot of competition. Um, Dalvin obviously has had a bunch of injuries, and you know, had some things going on, and that was an interesting situation. But that he, he's the type of guy too. Like if I if I'm sitting there and I'm holding a 102, 103, 104, and somebody wants to take the you know take the speculative ad on a on a Montgomery or Josh Jacobs, well, give me Dalvin Cook. Like I, 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 like the talent and I love the situation. So, and then hey, one, one other just deep flyer. I actually traded away this week because it was a deal that I couldn't refuse. But um, Dante Pettis. You know, we can all talk about the Odells and the Dalvin Cooks of the world. I like that. I like Dante Pettis a lot. Um, Shanahan knows knows what he's doing. Only thing that scares me there is if Antonio Brown ends up there, that could really I could maybe kind of cap Pettis having a year-two breakout because they play a lot of the same position. But um, Dante Pettis is an interesting one going into next year. So yeah. I think his, ro- his, his roster cuts are coming up. Um, man, if you if you can grab Pettis for a two, take it. But I think you're going to be able to get him for a three in a lot of leagues. And to me, that's a round two, real-life round two rookie pick that plays in a Shanahan offense that flashed this year. He was injured. You know, Jimmy G coming back, pet, uh, go after Pet. That's what I would say to listeners.
1: You have, uh, I, I mean, it, just by my estimation, almost, um, oh gosh, I don't know, uh, 40000 40, in Dynasty winnings just with the FFPC last year. Do you have any uh, plans on, on what you're going to do with uh, with all that cash you've uh, you pocketed?
4: <laughs> yeah, so yeah, we got, a, got a couple little things going on here at the house, kind of putting a nice little – outdoor area to be able to watch the games on sundays nice. but that, that's that's about a quarter of it but the rest of it frankly is just being reinvested right back into my team so I, I like to go ahead right out the rip and pay my dues and then i go ahead and load up my deposits for the future years and i'm gonna probably add you know another dynasty team because of the way that i build you know i'm gonna add another dynasty team that can go in the portfolio that i am not expecting to compete or contend next year but you know in years two three and four you know, I'm expected to have a chance to be able to be up there in the money. So I'm I'm reinvesting 75, 80% of my money is going right back into Dynasty.
1: Reinvestment. I love it. And obviously with the success that you've had, that is a good investment for you to be making. Of course, we follow you on Twitter at RMG underscore Dynasty. Brian, thanks so much for doing the show with me this week. Best of luck to you in uh, in all your leagues uh, coming up in 2019 and enjoy those rookie drafts i'm sure i'll be uh, picking your brain here and there about certain players as, as we go through the pre-draft process it's it's all a journey it's a fun journey and, and i can't wait for it to heat up
4: sounds good bulky i appreciate it
1: Thank you for listening to the High Stakes Lowdown, a roto podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. And thanks to Grapes for our theme music. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the roto radio feed. It helps us find new listeners. Contact us via email rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think. And follow us on Twitter at roto radio. And remember, you can always support the show by subscribing to roto at a 30% discount through the NFL podcast homepage, rotoviz.com/podcast
2: This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California.